Morning, everybody. Thank you, everybody, who's prayed for me, by the way. If you hadn't heard, I was bitten by a dog on my mouth <laughs> about a couple of months ago. And um, I love this series, But God, because I honestly think things could have been very different um, had we not had the involvement of Jesus who's saving. And um, I had a word that I heard about somebody who didn't know me, a friend of mine um, up in Scotland, um, had been basically sharing and didn't know that I'd been bitten by a dog on my mouth and I'd had to go to Max Fax in Gloucester to get my face stitched up. And um, he gave a word at a filling station meeting up in Scotland saying, I feel like there's somebody who's been bit, who's basically got a face injury and uh, your healing is coming supernaturally fast, and I have the words Max Fax. That same day, I was in Gloucester in the Max Fax, having my face stitched up, and it has healed supernaturally fast. So just to encourage you, when God starts to speak, things quicken up. When God starts to make promises, they come, they come. And so I uh, just wanted to encourage you with that to start with, because it's a bit of the involvement of what we're going to look at today in the passage that we're going to look at is 1 Samuel 23. So if you want to get that ready on Bibles, or it will come up on the screen as well, because we're such a techie church. Um, but before we launch into that, I just wanted to remind us of a passage in the New Testament about a guy who it's described that he fell amongst thieves. You probably know what one I'm talking about. He was walking, he fell amongst thieves, he was left for dead, and lots of people walked past and left him there, having been robbed and left for dead, but one man didn't. And he was called the Good Samaritan. And for some of us sitting here today, there might be a sense that we have fallen amongst thieves, or that there's an imminent robbery, or that you feel like you've just been left and people have passed you by. But I think today's passage is a commendation from God's Spirit to not just sit and watch someone being left for dead, not just take a moment to sit back and see what's going on and watch who does get involved to save the day. But there's an invitation for us to stand up and to play our part. Um, my husband um, has probably a yearly moment where he gets a very specific tongue that is uh, interpretable into English. And this year's one was in Bengali. <laughs> and he had this sense when we were praying up in Scotland of a phrase in Bengali that translated as, the body is sitting. The body is sitting. The Church of Jesus could be active and involved and getting into things, but instead, sometimes, we become the couch critic and we are watching it all go on and we are sitting down. <laughs> and I think there's an invitation today on the table when we look through this passage to get involved because of God. <laughs> this whole series is called But God. Without God, maybe we should stay sitting because perish the thought that we try to involve ourselves in something that God hasn't asked us to do. <laughs> But what if he has? And what if we are sitting <laughs> when there's an invitation to do something different? So this passage in 1 Samuel comes in an era that has been a bit of an answer to a cry from the people of Israel and Judah. It said this, and I wonder if this feels a familiar kind of scenario. It says in Judges 17, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. <laughs> And so they begged for someone to come and lead them. Would you come and please take charge, sort this mess out? They were sitting down wanting someone to come in and resolve it. 
And sometimes I do that, <laughs> don't you? I look at the mess on the news. I feel there is a robbery of certain things, and I think, well, maybe God should send them to sort that out. And it's quite challenging. Someone come in, protect us here, help us there, stop that robbery there, sort this lawlessness out. There's loads of chaos. And so what happened with Samuel, who was a prophet, he appointed somebody called Saul to take that role. And he said, this will be, have a few risk factors attached to it, but as you wish. And it was God's choice. And it was going okay until... (laughs) Saul bumped up against his own emotions. And I love scripture because it's not the edited version of life. There are messy characters in scripture. And there's mess in me. And there's probably mess in you. So wanting someone to come to rally the troops, wanting someone to come and sort things out, he did a bit. And his whole start to his rule, this is Saul, was inspired by God's spirit. 1 Samuel 10 talks about how it says that he, was, he became kind of commissioned as the king and, and prophesied in at a moment where there were loads of prophets around, prophets of people who heard the voice of God. And it said Saul got involved in this and the spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he was turned into another person. And then he was given the rulership of the nation of Judah and also Israel actually. And so it started so brilliantly. And some of us start so brilliantly. We've heard God. We feel the transforming power of the Holy Spirit upon us. We've seen transformation in our lives. And this is what God can do. But our characters have to carry it on. So 1 Samuel 23, we start um, hearing about a battle that needs to happen because there is a robbery, just like I was saying about in the New Testament where Jesus told that story of the Good Samaritan and how he, he came and involved himself. So 1 Samuel 23, starting at verse 1, there is a man called David who's in the nation underneath the rulership of Saul. He knows the whole scenario. He's also been top tip. He's going to be the next king, and quite a few people knew that already. So this is what happened. Verse 1. David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. They're looting the threshing floors. And so he inquired of the Lord. (laughs) Pause. (laughs) When you see things being robbed somewhere you know, what's your first move? (laughs) Do you just sit and watch? Nearly missed (laughs) you sit and watch the robbery. I wonder what you've noticed being robbed in our nation. Have we talked to God about it as our first move? Have we folded our arms and wanted someone else to come in and sort it out? I see loads of stuff that's upsetting (laughs) that I feel is being robbed. One little thing, I feel the dignity of children's being robbed. I feel really moved by it. I'm worried about plastic in the ocean. (laughs) It's robbing our planet of the beauty that God's done. I worry about people, you know, not looking after their bodies. (laughs) There's lots of little things that I could get involved with, but God wants to talk with us about what we see being robbed because God's involved. This whole series, but God, 
So we don't just carry it as a massive weight and a burden. We start speaking to our God. And these were resources that were being stolen. So they asked God, he asked God about it. And this was his question. Shall I go and attack these Philistines? Shall I stop this robbery? <laughs> and the Lord answered him, go, attack the Philistines, save Keilah. What do you think about that? When God says go into battle, he says it quite a lot. <laughs> I'm not always sure now it means take up physical arms. But for some people across the world, they've had to. But there are things being robbed. And God wants to speak to us about them. And maybe have us play our part. And then, obviously, because people are humans, fear starts to speak as well. God has spoken. But then fears of people start to speak. And it's the voices of David's men. And David's men, in verse 3, it says that they said, Here in Judah, we are afraid. Anyone else feeling the voice of fear, hearing the mutterings? If we go to Keilah, um, sorry, how much more than if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Because David wasn't ever going to just go alone. He did have a motley old crew. But they were scared. And so listen to what David does. He did hear them, but he knew he'd heard God. So he goes back to God to check, verse 4. Once again, David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered him, Go down to Keilah, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. So he doesn't just now say, I want you to do this practical thing. He gives him a promise to go with it. And sometimes we just need to wait for the Spirit of God to speak, not just about what we need to practically do when we see a robbery, but what's the promise that goes alongside that? And here we have the promise of God that he was going to give the Philistines into David's hands. Verse 5 says this, David and his men went to Keilah. They fought the Philistines. They carried off their livestock, inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines, and saved the people of Keilah. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> they did it. <laughs> Stopped the looting. But the battles weren't over for David. And the battles between Saul and David weren't done. Because people are emotional. Obviously talking about the person sitting next to you, not you. <laughs> So it says this in verse 6. Now Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, had brought the ephod down with him when he fled to David at Keilah. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul, who's in charge, he's heard rumors that David has gone to sort out this battle, to stop this looting in his own nation. But listen to this strange reaction but challenge yourself. <laughs> I wonder whether you've ever felt like this. He looked on and he thought, ooh, 
God's delivered David into my hands because David's got himself stuck. He's imprisoned himself in a town with gates and bars. So Saul called up his forces for battle to go down to Keilah and besiege David and his men. What a strange reaction. (laughs) Wouldn't you have thought he'd have thought, well, that saved me a job? (laughs) Or... Wow, a win for David is a win for me and a win for the whole nation. But no, his controlling, jealous character couldn't let it go. What a shame. And so instead of mustering his army and his energies to get with David and keep winning more battles together, it says he starts to put his rallying forces against David. Sometimes the people we think will be on our side or should be on our side, seem to not be. (laughs) But God. (laughs) But God. And we have to watch our own hearts. Let's not just assume we're all David. (laughs) We might have a bit of Saul inside that gets a bit jealous, that gets a bit triggered by other people's success or feels a bit Our nose gets out of joint. But we can allow that jealousy to motivate us to see, well, what God do you want me to do? (laughs) That's triggered me off a bit, but Lord, what do you want me to do then? As a different way. And so verse 9 tells us that David finds this out. It says, David learned that Saul was plotting against him. What horrible feeling when he's just won a battle. So he says to Abiathar, the priest, bring the ephod. This is a picture of the ephod. It was a kind of apron thing, and over the top of it had gemstones where they consulted with God. So not only did David rely on his relationship and a conversation with God before, personal relationship, he now had some practical things that he could also ask God questions through. I wonder if you've got props and things that you use or people you gather in to get more from God, to listen to what God wants to say. He said, bring that ephod. I want to listen again to God in a slightly different way to before, but I want to know what God's saying. God always wants to communicate. This is the theme all the way through this one battle, 17 verses. He keeps going back to God. And David talks with God through this chest piece. And he says, Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy that town on account of me. So he tells him, and then he asks God a question, kind of a vulnerable question that he probably didn't want the answer to. He said, will those citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? Are those people that I've just won the battle for, are they going to dob me in and betray me? And will Saul come down, as your servant has heard, Lord God of Israel? He reminds himself in this prayer, really, who's in charge of Israel, the the Lord God is. Please tell your servant. Listen to the answer. And the Lord said, he will. Oh, gutted. (laughs) Gutted. Have you ever thought you've been facing a battle (laughs) You felt you'd done what God wanted you to do. And then it doesn't have the results you thought it would have. It's hard stuff sometimes, isn't it? 
but God. <laughs> and so he asks again, will the citizens of Keilah surrender me and my men to Saul? He's checking twice. Sometimes God doesn't always give us the affirming, encouraging, every day's a winning day. <laughs> Sometimes there's days of betrayal. There's days of mistrust. There's days of pain. But God. <laughs> and the Lord said, they will. <gasps> Gutted. Verse 13, so David and his men, about 600 in number, left Keilah. They kept moving from place to place. Here begins the exhausting moving away from someone they didn't think was their enemy, who became their enemy. They had to hide in caves, in desert places for ages, just constantly moving on to try and get away from Saul's relentless pursuit. But someone else was relentlessly pursuing David with his goodness, with his mercy, with his saving plan. And someone is relentlessly pursuing you when you feel pursued by enemies and battles and things are tough. And so Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, so he didn't bother going there, of course. He didn't even want to see where the battle had been won and where the robbery had been stopped. He totally missed it. He was far too focused on targeting one man when his whole nation was at stake. And so it says that David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills in the desert of Ziph. So one person who you'd have thought would be held up as a hero, put on the news <laughs> for rallying his funny little army to sort out the Philistines, was now having to go into hiding. And it says day after day, Saul searched for him. Can you imagine waking up every morning thinking, he's after me, he's still after me. He's still after me. It was relentless. But listen. But God did not give David into his hands. Let me say that again. But God did not give David into his hands the ruler of the whole nation with his entire army was not more powerful than God. And whatever it is that you feel you've faced that comes at you, or whatever you feel you've watched and seen the robbery of, God is more powerful. He is the most high God. And I wonder what's not happened in your life because of God. <laughs> On paper, you'd have thought he was totally stuffed. I just think we might never know. <laughs> I look back at my life, and I can't tell you <laughs> what hasn't happened to me that could have gone really wrong, because of God. <laughs> I've got a few little thoughts of my own stupidity that could have had disastrous consequences, but God... <laughs> He's so merciful. 
You know, David was the one who wrote the psalm, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But before that, he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear evil evil, because God is with me. And God's with you. God is with you. The merciful saviour is with you. And our Eastern uh, friends in ancient East, they practice Christianity and they have a prayer they call the Jesus Prayer. And it's so simple. They just pray, Lord, have mercy. And it's an easy prayer to pray because it's the character of God. Everything through scripture screams of the ridiculous grace, the unearned, undeserved, merciful nature of God. Where things could have gone horrifically wrong and been horrendously worse, but God. And sometimes it's our fault and God's merciful. Sometimes it's not our fault and God's merciful. But that's who he is. And his is this earth and everything in it. So David's been fighting one battle with one nation, but he knows the God of the universe. And let's read on, because it doesn't stop there. David was at Haresh in the desert of Ziph. He learned that Saul had come out to take his life What? When will this ever end? (laughs) But Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Haresh. Isn't that interesting? The guy who's after him, his own son, came to David. And listen to what he did. And I wonder if there's a charge to us as a church to pay attention to this point. It says, Jonathan helped David Find strength in God. Welcome to the church. (laughs) Welcome to the person sitting next to you. Welcome to your friend who lives miles away, but you know you can call on them and they will be there to help you find strength in God. I really hope you've got those people (laughs) because you're going to hit the battle. (laughs) Maybe not in the same way. But we all need those faith-filled friends, don't we? (laughs) Who remind us of the promises of God. Who help us be strengthened in our faith. And listen to these beautiful words that Jonathan says to David. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Does anyone need to hear that today? And then listen, he has, David got some of the picture from communicating with God through the ephod and listening to God just in his conversational relationship with God. But listen to how Jonathan has an even wider picture on what's going to happen. He said, my father Saul, he won't lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. 
So we don't just have people in our lives who we know will strengthen us in our faith. We need people in our lives who will show us beyond one battle the much bigger picture, the prophetic word over our lives. He saw the destiny of David in David. And he reminded him of it. David had been told it before, but he needed someone to come alongside and remind him of that. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, without a prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. Another translation says people perish. (laughs) Pretty brutal. We really need to know what God's plan is for us not just for one battle, but for our whole lives. There's a, there's a unique role that you're on this planet to play. And it doesn't matter if you haven't got the job title. Here's a man in David. He did not have the title. He didn't have any real earthly authority to rally those troops and save that area and stop that looting. But he took it because he heard God say, go. He got up from his seated position and said, I'll step forward. I can't bear my nation being robbed and destroyed like that. And he didn't fight every battle. He just did the one that God told him to do. So don't feel overwhelmed. But inquire of the Lord. Ask God. And remember who God is. It could have happened like this, but God. And all the way through scripture, we see who? Jesus. I see Jesus in David stepping in to save a mess that he didn't make. I see Jesus in the Good Samaritan coming alongside, seeing a man who'd fallen amongst thieves, setting him up on his horse, paying for everything to have him healed. I see Jesus. And I see Jesus in us, coming here, meeting faithfully, listening. What is your word, Lord? Inquiring of God with one another, shoulder to shoulder, forming a battalion (laughs) that can wage war and robbery. Isaiah 61 says we are to set the prisoners free, the captives free, those who are bound, those in darkness. Which bit are you going to (laughs) do? Because of God. So we don't just randomly pick loads of battles and put our beaks into every single one. That's not what this is saying. Multiple times, David heard God confirm bad stuff and good stuff, betrayals and victory, big picture, small battles, God. God involved in it all. And I know I want the mercy of God. That's who he is. And I love that little Eastern prayer, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Please have mercy. What's the thing you want to see the mercy of God over? Start to speak with him about it. Or are we going to stay? A body just sat down, demoralized, watching it all, watching the chaos. Or will we rise and inquire of our God, knowing who he is?